Okay. Good morning, everyone. Um, I hope you're well today. It's good to be here together. And um, again, happy end of the summer to you. I wanted to uh, say that uh, if I don't know you yet, uh, my name is Rollin. I'm the lead pastor here, and it's uh, good to be worshiping with you today. Um, Glad for our students who are uh, starting to trickle back into town. And we say welcome to you um, if you're new. Um, What we've been doing is uh, over the course of the summer, we've been actually going through a series on missions. And we finished that series last week. And um, I hope that you are encouraged by it. I hope that you are encouraged throughout the summer, not only to participate in the praying and the giving and the going, but also to um, be, get a new perspective on what God himself wants to do in our city, right? Because our city is, in fact, a mission field. And so when we are talking about going into the summer again today, um, I'm sorry, coming out of the summer and going back into the fall today, what we're going to do to get kick-started is to sort of push the reset button um, in terms of our thinking and in terms of taking an evaluation of where our heart is, uh, particularly because of the fact that the summer is an easy time to uh, not only enjoy ourselves but also get off track. How many people can say, oh, amen to that? <laughs> okay. It's sort of like, you know, the summer you have fun, you vacation, you do things like that. But sometimes when we're <clears throat> doing those things um, and enjoying ourselves, Uh, the room that we have for God is sort of diminished um, because we're filling it with all sorts of other things, right? And so what we want to do is make an intentional effort at the beginning of our fiscal year. And we say our fiscal year, many of you are in business and you count your fiscal year January to December, right? But for the Christian, especially in the city, when the summertime hits, our fiscal year is the fall to the fall, right? Because the summer comes in and uh, really messes with us. And then we all of a sudden have to say, all right, once again, kingdom of God, right? Everybody honest with me and say yes to that? Okay, so here we go. What we're going to do is we're going to focus on God. Now, the reason that we're doing it is because we want to actually see what Jesus, in fact, would say. Not just what he would do, but what would he say um, in our hearts. And the first verse that we're going to talk about, we're just going to look at um, several things that Jesus said today. Um, But one of the first things that we want to look at is how do we take an evaluation of what's going on in our hearts And Jesus said this, he said that it's out of the overflow of our heart that the mouth speaks. It's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. Meaning that the conversations that we have on a regular basis, the things that we talk about, the things that we respond with in in an everyday conversation or on an everyday basis, the things that we usually center our thinking around or center our conversation around, it basically is showing us what's actually going on in our hearts, right? Because if you have been anywhere this summer, part of the experience is eating good food, is it not? Okay, now I got an amen. Okay. Brother, <laughs> amen, brother. You know, so uh, listen, it's sort of like you fill yourself up and then you can't help but talk about it. You can't help but to take pictures about it and post it on your social media sites. How many people have more pictures of what you ate than actually what you did on your social media? Anybody at all? Okay. Happens sometimes. And the thing is, is that Jesus said that it's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. And so the good, um, the good determining factor of whether or not we're actually full of God is practically what's been coming off of my mouth recently. What's been on my lips 
what's been filling my conversation, what's been actually the subject of my interactions with people. Is that not a good telltale sign, right? Because if you're full of something, right? People always talk about being full of it in a bad way. You know, that person's just full of it. Yeah, I mean, it's usually bad stuff, right? It's sort of like there's a light blow hot steam or hot air all the time. But how about this? God wants you to be full of him and full of the kingdom of God and full of the spirit of God and full of the word of God and full of the purposes of God and full of the things that are going to drive you into his kingdom purposes. So the question is, is that as we're trying to reset in the beginning of this year, in our fiscal year, what is it that has been filling your heart? What is it that's been filling your heart? Because as a Christian, if we're going to be right with Jesus, there's a continual evaluation that needs to be taking place in our lives, especially if we're going to progress and mature in him, especially if before the day of judgment, which we're all going to face, we don't want to face him as a foe, but as a friend, right? Where he's going to say, I'm giving, you're you're going to give an account of the life that you led before him. And the truth is, is that he wants you to be a friend in this lifetime not just in the life to come. Now he wants you to actually be on the same page with him. And he's saying, what has filled your life to this point? And if it hasn't been him, this is the purpose of church, right? That we come and we worship him, that we come and reorient our lives around him, that we come and once again are filled with the word of God, that we're filled with the worship of God, that we're filled with the purposes of God, that we could once again say that Jesus, you're in charge that Jesus, you're once again king of my life, and I'm saying that you're worthy of it all, my time, my treasure, my talent. I'm giving it all to you because you're king of kings, Lord of lords, and matter of fact, as we say most often, that my life is most satisfied when you're most glorified in it. My life is most satisfied when you're most glorified in it. And so, God, I'm trying to reorient my life around you today. So, Unto that end, we're going to see what Jesus would say if we're to be the people of God. And what we found is that what's not coming out of us when we're squeezed by life is the kingdom of God or the name of Jesus Christ or the gospel of God. How can we once again reorient our lives around him and put his kingdom first? Seek him first, right? He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all that you need to eat or all that you need to drink, all that you need to wear will be added to you, the normal affairs of life. He said, your heavenly father knows that you need these things even before you ask him. But to actually embrace that, you've got to orient your life in the right way. And if we're Christian people, he said over and over again that we need to be a house of prayer a house of prayer for all the nations, but a house of prayer nonetheless, which means that we're a people who pray. And the surest way to begin to recenter your life around God Almighty is to not just think about him, not just talk about him, but to actually relate with the living God relate with the living God because he's alive and well today, that Jesus died on that cross for our, as a sacrifice for our sins, but he was resurrected three days later and he lives and rules and reigns today. And he wants us to interact with him through prayer that we might actually live our lives centered around him in your workplace, in your home, in your school, in all of your academics, in all your pursuits. So today we're going to look two places at what Jesus would say about prayer. We're going to look at Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1, and then we're also going to look at Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 1 as well. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you have it today, to Luke chapter 11. Now Jesus was praying 
in a certain place. Yes, the Son of God himself even prayed. The Son of God himself depended on the Father for all that he did. He said, I do nothing on my own, but I only do that which I see my Father doing. So there was great success in all that Jesus did. Matter of fact, the report about him is that he did all things well. He did all things well. When the people were looking at him and giving a report of his life, it said that everything that he put his hands to was blessed. Why? Because he wasn't doing things just on his own, but he did things as he saw his father doing it. But to live in that type of lifestyle, to live in that type of mentality, whether in your workplace, in your family, in your friendship group, or in this city as missionaries for Christ, what we've got to be is in the face of God, just as Jesus, the Son of God, was in the face of God. There's no way that we can align ourselves properly with the Father doing that which we see him doing if we're not first positioned in a place of prayer to know what he's doing. Because we'll be dull. We'll be like those without the antennas up. We'll be those who are constantly consumed, as the parable of the sower says, by the worries of this life, by the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for pleasures or other things that literally come in and choke the word in our lives, making it unfruitful. But when we remain in a place of prayer, then he says, you can actually see what the Father's doing and join him in it. And Jesus was praying in a certain place so that he himself could remain in that place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John, meaning John the Baptist, taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, not if, but when you pray, if you are a Christian, you have got to be a person of prayer. You have got to be a person who is crying out to God day and night, day and night, day and night. As often you would, as you would talk to a spouse, you need to be talking to your heavenly father. He compares our relationship to him as to a marriage. And he says, if you want to cultivate and you want your marriage to be thriving and good and something that you and mutually enjoy, it's got to be conversation based, right? It can't just be an idea. It's got to be relational. And God's saying that I'm teaching you how to pray just as I pray. And he said to them, when you pray, not if, but when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. (laughs) The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened." What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? 
Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so he's saying very practically here, this is how I want you to pray. You remember this because your grandmother taught it to you. How many people had your grandmother teach this prayer to you, right? How many people had your grandmother add a couple extra words on that, right? For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory started shaking forever and ever. Amen. And I was like, Grandma, I didn't see that. Don't worry, baby. It's in there. You know? and I, was like, I was like, that's fine. Okay? But he was teaching us how to pray. And he said, listen, if you want to be in my faith, then there's continually a reset button. So many of us just pray over our meals so we won't choke. So many of us pray, right, at bedtime just so we could get a little steam off from the day. So many of us pray before we go into work, you know what I mean, just so that we won't choke someone that we're going to engage. Amen to that? No, that's the truth, right? And he said, God is saying, though, I'm giving you a formula for prayer that's different. And every time you pray, it should follow this model. Every time you pray, you should first say, God, hallowed be your name. Now, that's not just worship and declaring something to God, saying, God, I worship you or I praise you, but the word in the Greek actually had an imperative to it. It was actually saying, God, I'm asking you to hallow your name. I'm asking you through my life to make your name holy, to through my wife and the way that you work in my um, relationships and the way that you work in my workplace. So let your name and your word grow in power because of how you're working in my life. God, that's the first thing that I do. Most of us jump immediately to our needs. Most of us jump not even immediately to our needs, but to our wants. Is that not true? It's not even what we need, it's what we want. And when we don't get what we want, we stop praying as if God's withholding something from us. But God's saying, I'm giving you exactly what you need, but you need to start by understanding my fame, my glory, my honor, and my kingdom come first. And he said, when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, first say, God, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Not just in the earth in general, but how about this? If God is alive and God is living in you, Christian, God, do something in my life and in my city and in my workplace. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in and through me as it is in heaven. How many of us pray that as a prayer? How many of us cry out to God day and night and say, God, may you increase in my life and may I decrease? God, I'm asking that you would give me a heart that says, like Paul the Apostle, it's no longer I who live, but it's Jesus Christ who lives in me. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Have you come to grips with the fact that Jesus Christ is worthy of this? He's saying, this is the life I've called you to lead. This is the life that I've called you to live. Don't be choked out by the deception that you see surrounding you. It's not just the next pleasure that's going to satisfy you. It's the author of those pleasures. It's the author of life who will satisfy you. It's the author of life who will give you the joy you're looking for, the peace you're looking for. These are the fruit of the Holy Spirit that when you're in the face of God, say, God, hallowed be your name. Hallow your name in my life. 
He gives it as a gift. And he says, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And whenever, whenever we pray these things, it's a fine and a wonderful and a joyous thing for the Father to give us our daily bread, is it not? He takes care of his children. He says, you put my kingdom first and I'll satisfy the very God-given needs that I've put inside of you. You hear me? There are God-given needs that he's put inside of you for relationship, for provision, for purpose, right? For all of the things that people are running after in life. And he says, if you would first seek me and cry out, hallowed be your name, and turn from sin. What is sin? It's just simply an idolatry of anything that you pursue in front of him. That's what sin is. It's a missing the mark. And he says, if you would just put me first, he said, I'll give you your daily bread. I'll give it to you. I know you have need of these things. And I'm happy to give you the kingdom. But if you found that what's been coming out of you up to this point is not that, it's maybe because of the fact that we just need to reorient ourselves, right? And once again, in prayer, get in the face of God. He said, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone indebted to us. Sometimes the thing that's keeping us from the kingdom is not necessarily that we haven't thought about God, but it's that we have think too much about those who've offended us or those who've wronged us or those who've mistreated us. And instead of thinking about God and his kingdom and the things of his kingdom, we're thinking about all the wrongdoing that everybody else has done to us or to others. And we're focused on that. And so we have no room for God because there's so much anger and bitterness in our heart that we don't have room to allow him to move. How many people have ever experienced something like that before? Being consumed in your thoughts by an offense or a violation, being consumed in your thoughts by a disappointment that you've had from somebody who was near and dear to you. And this is why he says, if you are only focused on those things, I'm telling you, it's about my kingdom. Not only do I want to forgive you, but I want you to forgive those who've wronged you. Because if you don't move that lack of forgiveness out of your life, I'll have no room to move in your life with the grace that I otherwise want to offer you. He said, if you don't forgive others who've mistreated you wrongfully, he can't forgive us, right? There was actually a a quote from a friend of mine. He actually said this. He said, if you never, if you never heal by going to God from what hurts you, you'll bleed on people who didn't cut you. If you don't heal from that which hurts you, you'll end up for the rest of your life bleeding on people who didn't cut you. And that's what happens when we don't orient ourselves around God, his kingdom, and his ways. We end up perpetuating dysfunction because we haven't oriented our lives around God, his kingdom, and his ways in prayer. But God says in moments like these, repent, come to him, forgive and be free. And when we're talking about forgiveness, people of God, what we're talking about is not a feeling. You hear me? We're talking about a decision. We're talking about a decision to let people go where you've been holding on tightly 
to the offense. You've been holding on tightly to the violation. You've been holding on tightly to the fear. And he says, I'm telling you, open your hand and let him go. And the good news is I'll bring healing in its place. He says, you cannot be both filled with God and that unforgiveness. And he told them, how do you actually get to a place of that decision? He said, you get an attitude of persistence. You get an attitude of persistence that you go to him in prayer until he, in fact, does a work in you that he, in fact, promised whenever he gave you the command. What I mean by that is he'll free you if you persist in him until you actually see him break through in the manner in which he's promised you. Why do we say that? We're saying it not only for the, because of this scripture, but also because of the one we're about to read. What happened in this scripture? First of all, he said, listen, if somebody who's a friend of yours comes to you at night, right? And this is what he said, and asks you for a piece of bread, you won't get up necessarily because he's your friend to give him what he needs. Anybody ever gotten a late night text? And then you, you knew you probably should have answered it, but you were like, you were a late night call and you just press ignore. <laughs> Anybody ever done that to me? I'm playing. See, I'm forgiving today. No, (laughs) I'm playing with you. But the point is, is that he, you, you see, he said, though he won't give him what he needs because he's his friend, but because of his impudence. What is his impudence? Anybody know what that word actually means? Come on, come on, come on, please, people who read. All right, listen, impudence because of his audacity, right? Because of his brashness, his boldness. He's like, I know that your kids are in bed, but I need some help. I'm knocking on that door. Anybody ever, does anybody have like a buzzer by their door? I have a buzzer before people could get up to my house because we're in Chicago. And so the thing is, is that I have a buzzer, right? And it's like sometimes people just buzz and buzz and buzz. And I'm like, I'm not answering. Anybody ever had like do that before? Okay, well. <laughs> all right. But because of their impudence, you'll finally say, all right, I'm going to let them in. I'm going to let them in, right? He's saying because they keep coming and keep coming and keep coming because of their need. It's not because I respect them or it's not because I'll even do it because I love them, but it's because of their impudence, their brashness, their persistence. I'm going to open the door and see that they get exactly what they need. God is basically saying, this is how I want you to pray. This is how I want you to pray. If you feel like God himself has been king of your life at one time, but it's a long forgotten thought that you've strayed, that you've gone astray, that you've been far from God up to this point, but you want to get back to this point where you're on fire for him. He says, get in my face with some impudence. Get in my face with some persistence and knock and knock and knock until you see the very thing that you're crying out for revealed in your life. God is a consuming fire, he says. And if you're not experiencing God as a consuming fire, he says, knock and keep knocking. That's the tense of that verb. That is the tense of that verb. When he says, anyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to those who knock the door will be opened. It is not a one-time asking, seeking, or knocking. It is over and over and over again. And if we're children of the Most High God, is that not how we should relate to our Heavenly Father? You better believe it. 
All of you are adults now, but you were once children and you remember, right? Anybody remember nagging your parents? Anybody have children and have your children nagging you, right? It's sort of like they ask again and again and again until they wear you down. Now, God in his sovereignty, he's not the one who is ever going to get worn down, right? God is infinite. He's perfect. He's full of strength and he neither tires nor sleeps, slumbers nor sleeps, right? But he's saying in your posture toward me, I want you to come with that type of impudence. And if you don't see that which I want to produce in you, produce yet, he said, keep asking until you get it. Keep asking until you get it based on my promise towards you. Because the Father's heart is, he says, I've been pleased to give you me. I've been pleased to give you the kingdom. Now come and get it. This is what he referred to with the parable of the persistent widow. Turn to the second one. He says in Luke chapter 18, he says, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Ought always to pray and not lose heart. Always to pray and not lose heart. I know so many Christians who are well-meaning and they just got derailed by a discouragement in life. Got derailed by a financial situation. Got derailed by a health situation. Got derailed by a child, you know, who was struggling, right? Got derailed by a marital situation. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, it's not if, but when you have trouble that I want you to know how to build. It's not if, but when the storms of life come that I want you to build your life on my word so that when it crashes against you, you'll be able to stand. And he said, he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while, he refused. I love it. For a while, he refused. I love it and I hate it, right? It's sort of like, but God's saying, this is a similitude, which means this is what life is like. This is what life is like. For a while, he refused, but afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow, I love it, keeps bothering me. Isn't that great? Does that, does that like free you up like it does me? That sometimes I just, you ever feel like a bother to people? You don't want to ask them anything because, oh, I don't want to bother them. They're busy. Who isn't busy? Right? Isn't that the truth? We're always talking about build relationship here. Oh, but I can't interfere with people's lives. They're busy. Let me tell you, everyone's busy and everyone has the same need of relationship. Bother the people you want to build life with. And he, God's saying, start with me. He says, if you will not, she won't stop bothering me. So I'm going to give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Don't you love God? He's honest. He's saying, listen, because they keep annoying me. 
I'm going to see that they get an answer to that which they're asking for. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice? Isn't that what we need in this city? Justice. Justice for the tyranny. Justice for the race relations. Justice for all of the violations that are taking place. Justice. He said, will they not, God, give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? The implied answer is no, okay? We'll answer that. I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Faith. Will he find faith on the earth? people of God, we're called to be people of prayer, but you better believe that we're called to be people of faith. People of faith. Unwavering, unshakable faith. Faith. Trusting Him. Entrusting ourselves to Him. Faith. And it's not just a saving faith. You understand what I mean? It is not just believing the right things about Jesus so that your sins could be forgiven and you could go to heaven when you die. That's a salvific faith. But there's a, there's a faith that he wants us to walk in on a daily basis, getting in my faith, so getting in his face so that we can live in the overflow of his kingdom life. And he says, how are we to do that? We're to do it day and night. So if you need some real frequency, because I'm, I'm sort of a guy who needs real practical steps. Anybody else like me? You need just, re- just be real practical with me. I don't need you to talk to me about ideas. Just tell me what to do. Anybody here like that? And I even hate instructions when you get something from Ikea or something like that. It's like, I don't know what that means. You start, you know. That's why B builds everything in the house. Anyway, but the point is, it's true. But God's real practical. God's real practical. He says day and night. You know why? Because if you've been in my face this morning, guess what? As you leave this place, you're going to start leaking. You're going to start leaking. You know what I'm talking about? You might be full of God when you're here, worshiping him with the people of God. But as soon as you leave this place, you start leaking. Why? Because you encounter other people like you, other people like me, and they get on your nerves, right? And so somebody cuts you off in traffic. Somebody cusses you. Somebody takes something from you. Somebody just gives you that look where you're like, we got a problem here, (laughs) right? No, right? You start to leak. And so God's saying, you need a frequency of being in my um, face, and it's day and night. Good news about that, is there any time outside of that? Not a trick question. Thank you, no. (laughs) Day and night, he says, stay in my face. Because as soon as you leak, I want to fill you back up. That you'd be filled to overflowing in me, centered on that kingdom prayer. Lord, hallowed be your name. So when I go out and I'm trying to order at Chipotle and somebody, no, I'm just getting real practical, right? Trying to order at Chipotle, right? And then somebody's like, listen, just move along. You you want some queso with that? I was like, yes, but I want the free fajitas too, right? No, I'm being practical now. Stop trying to dip my bowl. No, come on now. He's like, stop leaking and be filled up. Be filled up. 
I was having meetings all week. You know what I mean? At what, what's that center? Where were we meeting? At the Illinois Center? Couldn't find one bathroom in that place in the Pedway. <laughs> Going into restaurant after restaurant. People treating me like I'm sorry. Like, you know what I mean? Some try to like ruffian in the city. So, oh, excuse me, sir. Are you going to buy something? I was like, I don't got it. I don't have to use the bathroom. <laughs> and if I'm not in the face of God, right? God saying, God, hallowed be your name in me. Help me get over my bad attitudes. Help me get over my mistreatment. Help me get over my stresses, right? Then it starts to leak out, and then eventually I'm far gone. I'm far gone, and it happens not just to me. It can happen to anybody. And he's saying, you need to persist in my faith until you see the image of Christ formed in you. And if you're seeing something in your environment, in your life, in your family, in your health that doesn't match with the promises of the kingdom of God, you don't pray once, you don't pray twice, you don't pray three times. You pray until he says, I'm going to give it to them because I don't want them to wear me out with their coming. Not that God himself would be worn out, but he's giving us as this as an example to say, you keep coming until you see my kingdom reflected in your life. You keep coming. That's the attitude of the persistent widow. He says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That faith that he's talking about is specifically talking about persistence. Persistence. Does everybody see that? He says, when I come, meaning I will move, but when I'm ready to move, will be people be postured in faith? Will people be postured in expectation? So if we're believing for God's kingdom to come in this city, how often should we pray? Day and night. If we see the injustices in our city, how often should we pray? Day and night. If I'm not seeing the character of God in my own life, how often should I pray? Day and night. If I'm not seeing the healing yet that I'm believing for in my own family, I'm, how often am I going to pray? I'm praying day and night. And I'm knocking on that door. I want God to say, basically, I'm giving it to him. Because I don't want him to be worn, I don't want to be worn out by his coming. You understand that? How many of us live that way? It's what he's calling us to. Right? It's what he's calling us to for the salvation of our family members, friends, co-workers, neighbors, the people on the bus, people on the train people in this school. He says, come on now. Reorient yourself. Be full of me. Because God's got a holy zeal. A holy zeal that drives him. And it's in love for you. It's in love for me. It's in love for your family. It's in love for your co-workers and friends. And he says, I want my kingdom to come power, healing, grace. I was zealous to the end, Jesus, the Son of God, said on that cross, on that cross, right? He finished the race. To the end, he calls us to do the same. 
And so he calls us up now. He says, summer's been great. Summer's coming to an end. Labor Day. Have your last vacation, right? (laughs) But how are we going to live in between the fall and fall? We want to live with that holy zeal, that holy persistence, that holy faith, praying as he himself taught us to pray. Right? Praying as he himself taught us to pray, ordering and shaping our lives around him, his kingdom, and his purposes. And that's when we'll see people set free from demons, healings, miracles, the Holy Spirit given to those who ask. Right? He said, I'm not trying to withhold. I'm a good father. And I give my Holy Spirit gladly the power of the Holy Spirit to those who ask and keep asking and keep knocking and keep praying and keep believing in persistence so that I might see faith in the earth. It's a mirror. It's a mirror to us all. The Word of God is, and wherever we don't see it reflected, we pray. Whenever we don't see it reflected, we pray. And I'll end just by saying this. I love what Blaise Pascal said. (laughs) He said, the Christian religion alone has been able to cure these two vices. Two vices. Pride and human dignity and despair in human misery. It's been able to cure both. Not by expelling the one through means of the other according to the wisdom of the world, but by expelling both according to the simplicity of the gospel. He says, it's not difficult, we just got to do it. the pride of human dignity, exalting ourselves, the despair of human misery. He said both are solved in this one thing. Teach us to pray. And as we pray, doing what he said to do in his power, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll see things change. Amen? All right. What we're going to do is we're going to go into worship. And as we go into worship, what we're asking you to do is to reflect and ask yourself what's been filling my heart where we started from the beginning what's been filling my heart I'll know it by what's been coming off of my mouth (laughs) what and how have I been relating with the world around me because it's a direct reflection of what's been filling me And if it hasn't been God, and even if it has been, the good news is is that we can get in his face today and say, Lord, hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in my life, in this city, on this earth, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen? All right, stand to your feet.